All right, I'm going to pray. We're going to get into it. God, I want to thank you for your grace and your mercy on all of us. And I pray that you would uh, continue to work in the heart of your church and the people in your church. Thank you for your, your love. Thank you that you love us more than we can ever imagine and that you love us so much you're not going to let us stay right where you are, but you're going to continue to call us into a deeper place with you. And God, I pray that the words of my mouth this morning and the the meditation of my heart would be acceptable in your sight, my rock and my redeemer. Amen. All right, let's put that first slide up there. We're just going to get right into 1 John chapter 2. 29 to chapter 3, verse 1. We're actually moving out of chapter 2. I'm so excited. It's only been 16 weeks since we've begun this, and we've gotten through two chapters. This is a record. Let's go. If you know that he is righteous, you know that everyone who does what is right has been born of him. See what great love the Father has lavished on us, that we should be called children of God. And that is what we are. The reason the world does not know us is that it did not know him. And so now what we see is John is starting to push things just a little bit deeper in his letter. He was talking about this fellowship idea with God, but now he's pushing things a little bit deeper into the heart of the Jesus follower. This is not that he was superficial at the beginning, but he wants to make sure that that he runs it from the beginning to to the very end, from out here to deep, deep down inside. And in fact, the first three verses of chapter three are, they, they sound kind of simple at first, but they're so profound with the truth that is offered in them. And it's a truth, it's the truth about us. Now, keep in mind, John is a pastor. He's a pastor at heart. And so he's writing to the church because he wants the church to know that we can be in a relationship with God, that we can have fellowship with God. And in that relationship or in that fellowship is a fullness of joy, a fullness of joy. Joy is that thing that goes beyond your circumstances. And it's it's that interior posture of your heart where it's it's. It's hard to describe or explain. It's that thing that you experience when you're in relationship with God through Jesus Christ by the power of the Holy Spirit. And he wants them to experience that. And he wants them to walk in that rhythm and walk in that fullness. And he wants to make sure that nothing is going to rob them of it. And so he just kind of goes through this whole big list of things. Things that will deepen our relationship with God. These these postures of our hearts. And things that can actually hurt that relationship. And we have spent many a week unpacking these ideas. All the way up to verse 28 in chapter 2. Because John has presented them to us. Now if I kind of think about this and kind of let it marinate in my brain. As we look back at the weeks that we spent with loving the brothers and the sisters. And not loving the world and and, and all of these different things. Um. I think we can sum up what he is trying to get to with one word. And that word is the word righteousness. The word is is righteousness. And, And very often we hear the Bible talk about righteousness in relation to God and righteousness in the way that we are to walk with God. 
Now, I know that word intimidates a lot of us because who can be righteous? Who, 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 can, who can stand up to the bar that Jesus has placed in righteousness? And so we Christians, we kind of cringe away from that. But that's what John is addressing. That's what he's talking about in chapter 1. He says that God is light. In him there is no darkness. And what's he tell us? Walk in the light. That's righteousness. And then he'd go on to say that, that we know we know God if we keep his commandments. That is righteousness. Then he says, love the brothers and the sisters in the faith. That too is righteousness. Don't love the world and the things that are in the world. See, that's a posture of righteousness. And then he'll tell us not to get caught up in all the, the false doctrines about Jesus that can come at us uh, really quick and really hard. It almost sound like the truth, but, but just kind of bend it a little bit and go off in a different direction. You see, those things are, 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 being, are living in righteousness when we don't get caught up into those false doctrines. And so as I continue to think about this word righteousness and let it marinate in my brain, uh, you know, it kind of boils down to this for us all. I believe that righteousness seems to be a pretty important thing in our relationship to the Lord. And all of the things we've been unpacking about it. That this idea of being righteous is important as we walk in fellowship with the Lord. And so what we've been unpacking for these last few weeks has this very ethic based flavor to it, almost a morality-based flavor to it, which can be very dangerous if it falls into the wrong hands of any person or any pastor and they preach it to a, where you have to, where they preach it to say, you got to get it together before God's going to love you. You got to get it together. You have to live right. You have to change your behavior. And then, and then maybe God will accept you. And see, that's dangerous because that goes against the gospel. In fact, that teaching spits in the face of the gospel that Jesus Christ came to present. And so it's very dangerous if we just talk about ethics and we talk about morality because the blessings of Jesus come to us openly and freely. But yet there is this interior posture. You ready for this? This interior presence of righteousness in us that helps us and keeps us walking in those blessings. The word that you need to get a hold of is that word interior. It's on the inside. It is on the inside. And so as we enter into chapter, or uh, as we end chapter 2 and as we enter in chapter 3, verse 29, it says, if you know that he is righteous, he's ta- John's talking about God, Christ. If you know that he is righteous, you know that everyone who does what is right has been born of him. Uh-oh. Anybody ever not do something right? We have a few honest people over here. That's good. Uh-oh. So that everyone who does what is right has been born of him. And do you see the danger that we can fall into if we're not careful with dealing with, with this text? So basically what he's saying here is this. Because of the work of Jesus Christ on the cross, we are not only in relationship with God, but we are born of God, that we have somehow become his, his children. And so the fellowship side of it is a very, it's, it's not, 
It's not superficial, but it's the external part of our relationship with God. It's like we are all in fellowship with each other. I hate the word fellowship because so, it's so Christianese and it just makes my teeth hurt a little bit. So, but, but I have to use it because that's the point that he's getting to. And, and John and I would have a little discussion on his, on his Greek and Hebrew and then I would suggest different words, but that's just me. But anyway, so we're talking about the fellowship of God. And that not only are we in that relationship with him, but we have become his children. We, have become, we are born of him. We are moving into a deeper relationship with him. Not just friends, not just bros, not just buddies. But a deeper relationship, an interior relationship, an intimate union. Christ is living in you. You are living in Christ. This is a big deal. This is, this is a big deal, and we have to start to get to understand this. And in fact, this whole focus is going to be the entire focus of chapter 3 as we kind of unpack it. And so if righteousness, if righteousness is important to our relationship, to the fellowship that we have with God, or dare I say even essential, how much more so is righteousness essential for this interior relationship with God, this idea that we have been born of him, that we are his children. Isn't that just an amazing privilege? And you have been born of God. You are God's child. And we are called, wooed into this interior relationship with him, with God. You know that he is righteous, if you know that he is righteous. And I hope you all know that. You know that everyone who does what is right has been born of him. So if you're seeing people living in a New Testament righteousness, which means that the priority in their life is the pursuit of God, the pursuit of God through Jesus Christ, that all of our desires will come back to him, to his glory, to his honor. That's what this interior righteousness is about, that you want God more than anything else in your life. And I know that we're human. I know that we ebb and flow through that and we make mistakes. But are you, are you man enough? Are you woman enough to recognize that you have made the wrong choice? You repent, which means that you've turned around and now you're in pursuit of God because Jesus went to the cross so that you can be forgiven and you can be recognized. See, that's what this interior righteousness is about. Is God the first thing in your life? Or is he just that Sunday morning hobby? If you know he is righteous, then, then we will live in this righteousness. It's not just about you, you keeping up with the, uh, the moral, the cultural morality. It's not you just trying to be a good person. I know many, many good people, amazing people, People that are loving and caring and kind and generous. Husbands and wives that they, they write books about them, that they have the amazing marriage and, and they base the book off them. Parents who, who love their children, it's like, it's like watching a movie almost. I know those people. I like to spend time with those people. But from a definition of biblical righteousness, they have fallen short if that's all they have. See, biblical righteousness is about living as Jesus lived. Oh, wait a minute, Pastor Dennis. 
Didn't you just say it's not about all this trying to be good stuff? I mean, Jesus was a pretty good guy. He came not to be served, but to serve. And he loved on people. And, and when they wanted to pull the children away from him, he said, no, bring those kids to me. And, and, and he, he, he hung around with the people that no religious person would want to hang around with. I mean, the poor and the broken and, and the outcasts. He seemed to me that he was a really nice guy. He was a really good guy. He was an amazing guy. Remember this, that the external actions of Jesus flowed from his inner desire to love and bring glory and honor to his father. That's where it began. That's where he did not do that to earn the love of the father. He did that because the love of the father was already upon him. And that's the way he would, that's the only way that he could react and respond. How he could show love to the father was by doing the will of the father and loving people. That's who Jesus is. And it starts on the inside, the interior, internal righteousness on the inside. It begins to change everything on the outside. See, there's a certain quality of of life that's in the Jesus follower. Because there's a certain quality of life in Jesus. I mean, just think about the Sermon on the Mount. Just, Just those three little chapters in Matthew. That's... Those chapters, the Sermon on the Mount is impossible to live. Impossible to live unless you have been born of him and empowered by the Holy Spirit. In fact, the entire Christian life is impossible to live unless you've been born of him and empowered by the Holy Spirit. And I think that, I believe that biblical righteousness should, should just show people, illuminate that, man, I need, I need renewal I need to be revived. I need to be renewed. I need to be reborn. Because it's just not about the external. It's about what's going on inside. And so John is pushing us deeper and deeper into our own lives to look in our own lives. If we are born of him, if we are considered God's children, then there is a certain quality of life that is present in us and around us. Living in sin, and what I mean by that, living in a place of determination to live separate from God, living in a place where you make the conscious choice that you are not going to do, or that you are going to put something other than God and make that the priority of your life. If, you, if that's your, the posture of your heart, then you cannot claim to be God's child. And I know that might be a little bit of a slap in the face, but that's, that's what the scripture teaches. The child of God is living differently because there's an interior transformation taking place. God on the inside begins to change everything on the outside. When God changes the inside, it begins to change everything on the outside. That's the first time you've heard me say that. You are not paying attention. And you got to put extra money in that box on the way out. (laughs) That's where you make a little extra cash. Now, before John goes deeper, because he's, he's he's, he's going to talk about this, this behavioral thing again. So before he goes deeper about loving the bros and the sisses and, and, and how to respond to the world and we're children of God and all this stuff, he's going to take a short pause to encourage. Because if you read chapter 3 of 1 John, if you just read like verses th- um, 4 through 10, that alone is enough to discourage the average person. 
Don't, don't read it now. Pay attention because you'll put more in on the way out. So, and, and so that's enough to discourage to discourage us like, oh my goodness, is this, is this even possible to get to? Really? And he talks about some really harsh stuff in there. But the first three verses of chapter 3 are just such an amazing three verses of who we are. See, we have to understand who we are in Christ in order to walk and to live in victory. And what John is going to, he's going to lay out and he goes, okay, this is, this is so amazing. We got to just pause here for a minute and we got to unpack this thing a little bit and we got to get a hold of this. Let's just, let's just rest here. Man, you, you've been born of God. You've been born of him. We got to rest here and just kind of unpack this thought for a second because he wants to encourage people because what he's about to lay down is pretty hard, but it's not undoable because of who we are in Christ, because of who we are in Christ. And if you remember, this is the second time that he's done this. Chapter 2, right in the middle, verses 12 through 14, he takes this, he takes this little time out. And he talks to, he talks to uh, children, he talks to fathers, and he talks to the young men. And he wants to encourage them because things are going to start getting heavy in his letter. And he wants them to know who they are. And he wants them to know who they are in Christ. And he wants them to be encouraged that this God life is possible for us to live. This God life is possible for us to walk in and not just walk in humdrum and dreary like the Eeyore Christian, but in the fullness of joy. That's what he wants us to understand. And so we get to here. Verse 1 of chapter 3. See what great love the Father has lavished on us. That we, you and me, should be called children of God. And that is what we are. But you know, I'm reading that all, all wrong because I got them, see that little line at the end of God and R? It's called an exclamation point. Melanie can help us out with that. I should read it like this. See what great love the Father has lavished on us, that we should be called children of God. And that is what we are. Children of God. And he's going to kind of flesh this, this all out, this, this amazing thing. First, that we are, we're God's children. You get that? Son, daughter, God's children. We have been, we've entered into this deep, intimate relationship with him. Children and parents have a very unique relationship. We have certain privileges as children from our parents. We are entitled to certain things. Sons and daughters. And in and, and verse 29, when he says that, uh, what, that whoever does what is right has been born of him, there's, that phrase has this sense of a, a legal standing of a child to a parent. Okay, Legally, you have children, but that doesn't necessarily mean you're a parent. It's the legal relationship there. You can be a biological father and never be a dad to one of your children. And so that's what it, it kind of says there, that there's this legal relationship. But then he, he pushes it even farther. He says, no, no, it's not, just, it's not just this legal status. It's a child. It's the dad. It's the mom. It's, it's, it's that part of it. It's that love and interior. That's just that, that, oh, I love my kids so much. That's what God feels about you, that he loves you so, so much. Now, maybe... Maybe we could say, well, well, aren't we all God's children? I mean, really? 
Like we all been have, we all have been created by him. And and so yeah, in that in that respect, we, we are all his children. All of creation he has created. But the Bible is very clear when it talks about someone who has put their faith in Jesus Christ and entered into a relationship with the Father that way. There's something different about that relationship. There's something different about that, that father-son, that father-daughter relationship. In fact, Jesus himself, he addresses something like it in John chapter 8 when he says, he's talking to these people, he says, you know, your father is the devil and all you want to do is what he wants you to do. And guess what he's talking, you know who he's talking to? Religious people. That is called the divine spanking. Romans chapter 8, Paul says that God's children have the spirit of adoption. The spirit of adoption and cry out, Abba, Father. Abba in the Hebrew is Daddy. Daddy. How many of you pray like that? Usually, usually when we pray, we go, we go at least New King James. Right? <laughs> Heavenly Father. I beseech thee to pour out thy blessing on your son, though I am unworthy, instead of dad, daddy, help me. I have heard daddy 7,426 times in this last week. <laughs> dad, I got to go to the bathroom. Dad, can you fix my cat? Dad, dad. And you know what I find? You know what I, at the end of it, though, it, it, you do get a little wiggy sometimes, but, but at, the ver- at the end, it's a badge of honor to be called dad. No one else besides my daughter and my son call me dad and have that affect me that way. And that's the relationship we have with God. That's what we have when we come before him and say, dad, I can't handle it. I can't do it. I need help. Or dad, thank you so much. Whatever. And I have no idea where I'm at. Notes now and I'm all messed up. Mm. Okay, here I am. No, I'm over here. I'm over here. Peter says it this way. He is the vine. We are the, I'm sorry, um, in the Gospel of John, he says, we are the vine. He is the vine. We are the branches. And this life force flows through us. This life force of God has been infused to us. Second Peter Peter writes in 2 Peter that we have his divine nature inside of us. God has giving, given us this divine nature. Because of this relationship, we are his children. And so don't you ever, for a moment, don't you ever just think that this is about you having to just believe the right things and then, and then it's, you know, I mean, I, mean I, have to, I have to live a good life and I got to show up to church or people are going to start talking and then, you know, the, the, the elders are going to call me and say, hey, where are you? You're not at church anymore. Or, you know, you just, this is not about you just trying to behave better than, than the other person is behaving or, you know, you want to just look better on the outside. Please don't go through the religious motions just to go through the religious motions. I mean, I'm not impressed. Could you imagine how God's not impressed? Because before all of that, you are his child. And from that flows a very different quality of life. Because that 
childness begins to change you. You've been born again, born from above, born of the Spirit, transformed. You are a new creation in Christ. All of those things apply to you. And this, this is an entirely different place than just trying to behave the right way. In fact, people who just try to behave the right way outside of this relationship with Christ, I mean, it's nice, but they cannot be called children of God because that's who we are. But then there's this other beautiful question that John addresses here. Like, like, like how do we get there? Well, see what great love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called children of God. See what great love the Father has lavished. He's just not shared love. He's just not saying, yeah, I love them. He's, he's, he has lavished this love upon us. It, it, the way the sentence, and I'm, I got this new software package, so I'm learning sentence structure and like all these words I can't pronounce and I don't want to explain so I want to sound stupid yet. Um, but, but the way the sentence is written, it's an active assertion of giving of love. It's continual. God continues to lavish his love upon his children every single moment of every single day. And not just a little bit, not just when he, when you think you deserve it, not just when you're behaving all of the time in full measure, God's lavishing his love upon his children. And so the thing that makes us his children is not us. It's not us doing something. It's his gift of life given to us. It's his gift of love that has been given to us that makes us his children. And his nature, the nature of God is, is love. The scriptures tell us that God is love. That not just God loves or he's a really loving guy. God is love. And we have that within us. It's, it's, it's inside of us. It's part of who we are. We've had the IV. He's infused it. He's given it to us. It runs through your veins. It runs in your heart. It runs in your soul. And so the children of God, we cannot be not like him because, what is, what, because of what's in us. We cannot not be like God because we have the divine nature of God. And that divine nature will manifest itself. It will express itself because it can't not express itself. You don't get to hold the love of God just for you because then that's not the love of God. By very nature, the nature of God's love is that it has to be released and given away and shared. That's the nature of God's love. Now, John's going to flush out this whole idea later on about, you know, loving people. And, and I love, he gets to this one point, I'm going to paraphrase this to death, but he says, uh, you know, you even got to love the people who are the biggest pains in the butt in your entire life because that is the divine nature of God's love. Because you know what? To God, you all are the biggest pains in the butt of his life. But he pours out that love to you pours it out because he loves you so you are his children you are his children and then john being the mystic that he is i know you don't like that word but i love that word john being the mystic that he is he says this is a very mystical 
sacred mystery of the Christian faith. He says, the reason the world does not know us is that it did not know him. The world can't get a hold of this idea that we are God's children. The world can't understand this idea that we are God's children and, and, and what we're experiencing. They may even think us a little bit haughty or arrogant to claim such close relationship with God. Oh, like, you're a child of God and I'm not. Hello, I was created by God too. And, wah, 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 wah. and, and yes, they were created by God, but the relationship that they're talking about here is a relationship with God through Jesus Christ. And you might even be called a liar or a jerk or a doofus. John says, don't sweat it, man. Don't worry about it. See, they didn't recognize the divinity in Christ. So how are they going to recognize the divinity, the nature of God in you? This, this mystical, childlike relationship with, with the Lord. But there is something different inside us. And so he says, don't worry about it, man. They, 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 didn't, they didn't see it in him. So they're probably not going to see it in you. Because this relationship can only be discerned in a, in a spiritual way. In, in a spiritual context. The same way that God was hidden in Christ, but yet revealed in the Spirit. Revelation chapter 2, it says that he will give us a new name, only known by the one who the name has been given. There's, there's a mystery in this. It's a beautiful, sacred mystery in it. The world doesn't know us, but we know Christ, and we are known by Christ, and we know each other. We know each other. We have become aware of what's happening on the inside of us, that God is dealing with us, dealing with us, and working in us, and refining us, and transforming us. And the only way we can describe that or define it is in the context of Jesus Christ, because nothing else makes sense. And when we pay attention to those things that are going on in us, in our interior posture of righteousness, which is even, I would say, is even a gift from God that he has bestowed upon us the righteousness of Christ, which gives us the hunger and the passion to move toward him more and more and in deeper and deeper ways. And, and so we begin to pay attention to that. We begin to see it in other people. Have you ever met someone, and, and you, don't, you don't know them, you've never met them before, you know nothing about them, but something inside you just goes, Man, I think I think she's a Jesus follower. I think I think he's a Jesus follower. I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, he didn't say anything, and you know, he wasn't praising God for bananas on sale. But I just think that there's there's something there about him. And maybe later on, you learn that yeah, yeah, he was, she was a follower of Christ. See, it's that that it can only be discerned through the Spirit, the Spirit that lives in each one of us. And so church, what great love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called children of God. It's, it's the in spite of love. It's the in spite of our sin, in spite of our unworthiness, in spite of that one time we walked as his enemy in this life that he has lavished this love on us. It's a love that, that not only welcomes us into the family. Do you realize that you have your name on the mailbox in front of his mansion? That's, you are part of the family you are part of the family. And not only has he welcomed us into the family with this love, but he has forgiven us. It's a God love. It's a big love. It's an eternal love. It's been given to us. A love that looks beyond who we really are 
in all of our brokenness and our humanity, a love that came and suffered and was nailed to a cross and beaten and whipped and died, a love that has given its life so that we can have life, a love that is offered to all people around the world. And all they have to do is say yes. Yes. That's the love that God has lavished upon us. See, the Son of God became the Son of Man so that the sons and daughters of men could become children of God. My prayer for you is that you would walk as children of God. Head held high, shoulders back, knowing who you are and that this life that God calls us to is not only possible, but is filled with immeasurable joy. Father, I pray that you would make this truth real to us. Lord, I believe some people in here feel like that you, you don't love them. Lord, I pray, I just have a feeling that there's people here this morning, Lord, even in our, in our little church that, that walk around thinking you're mad at them, that they have to earn your love somehow. God, I pray, I come against that lie because that is the lie of the enemy. I come against that lie in the name of Jesus Christ and that they would walk in the victory of being a son and a, or a daughter with the living God, related that way, deep, intimate, interior relationship, that they have been privileged, that you know their name, that their name can be written in the book of life, and that they have been given through Jesus Christ an inner righteousness that can shine out into this world. Lord, forgive us when we don't walk that way. And we don't trust you. Thank you that you do forgive us. 100%. We stand humbly before you, God of all creation. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Hey, I love you guys. I'll see you next week.